right, everybody, welcome back to your favorite podcast, Shadow Valley. My name's Brennan. You've got Gabe. And you've got Parker. Well, um, I guess just to start us off, like before we get into the topic, um, something that's been going on like this week, hmm. I've I've started listening to um East of Eden. Okay. And right now, like something's like I don't know. I know. Uh, is East of Eden like a, what is that? A book podcast? It's a book. It's a, it's a book. Um, it's kind of like one of the, some people might call it like one of the classics. Um, but it's a really interesting, uh, like book. It has a lot of like religious symbolism, but something okay. that got me like thinking, and it's not, it doesn't have to do with the religious symbolism. There's this one character, Kathy Ames. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, when she's introduced, they basically come out and say she's a, like a psychopath. Uh-huh. Um, they call her a monster um, and say that, I don't know, they give the example of like, you know, some monsters are people who are born with like three limbs or like no arms, uh, but she has like no soul. And so she's like a monster. Interesting. Um, but what she ends up doing Uh, at least in the part that I'm at is her parents, she didn't want to go to school Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, Her dad like beat her because Mm -hmm. the mom like forced uh, him to do it after she ran away to Boston. Mm. Um, And then she also like what she did is come up with this elaborate plan where she took some jewelry and like something that she used to like dress covered it in chicken's blood and left it in the barn. What the hell? Then she uh, like caused a fire to happen in her house that killed both of her parents. Um, and then wait, she like so, ran so away. The girl that was like called psychotic or whatever? Yeah. Okay. She killed her parents wow. and then she went to the dad's business and took all the money out of his safe. What the? And disappeared. And so everybody thought that she had been a murdered. Menace. Yeah. Everybody thought she had been murdered and after she was killed, like somebody went and took all the money from the business. Mm-hmm. And so something that I was just sitting there because they go into so much detail about her and just like the way she responds to certain things. Like when her dad was giving her a lecture and like threatened her and to like beat her, mm-hmm. um, she just kind of looked at him and just like smiled <sighs> and just kind of like, it goes on to say like the dad felt extremely uncomfortable to where he had to look away first at her and then it goes on to say like he had like a position of weakness and so i was just thinking like because i don't understand i really don't understand how somebody can well okay another thing that happened when she was like 10 Mm -hmm. um she got caught with two boys and showing these boys her cooter in the Mm -hmm. barn Mm -hmm. um but she made it out to where it looked like the boys were perverts when she kind of set them up. Oh, she like pinned it on them. Yeah. Oh, she very set them up like it was her whole thing that she did. Mm-hmm. She set them up um, and she's just a really good liar. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can manipulate people. Like it goes into also, it mentions that her mother's like sitting there because now her daughter's being like seeming to be rebellious. Yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, I think I've just lost control. And it goes into kind of like the author explaining, like the mother never actually had control. Kathy was the one who had control this entire time. Um, But she's, she's very manipulative. It's just like, I don't understand at all where 
people come from, like how psychopaths um, can go without like feeling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like what is going through their head? Like why are they doing what they're doing? Like why did she kill her parents? Like what was right. her reasoning behind that? Or why do psychopaths like to manipulate people? Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean. Why? Psychopaths in general or like a serial killer. Yeah. Which obviously will show very uh, uh, t- like tendencies of a psychopath. Yeah. Is that it's all for themselves, you know? And so everything that they do is to benefit themselves. So they yeah. can they can try to be friends with somebody get everything they want out of them and then toss them to the side like they don't know who they are. And that's yeah. why they can kill somebody and not have any remorse or anything like that because to them, it's just, you're almost like a business transaction to them. Yeah. You know? That's my general understanding of it. But, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm probably completely glossing over a lot more deeply rooted issues. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm probably not the best person to to ask. Well, like also what she does, like her dad's beating her because she ran away to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was there and it mentions that at one point her dad, like gets super mad because he's like whipping her, but mm-hmm. he's doing it too soft and she's just there quiet, like emotionless. Um, and then he goes and he just gets absolutely furious. Mm-hmm. And like, it mentions like there, she sees him break. And now she has like a vision of who he actually is. Um, and she ends up like pretending to cry. Like it doesn't hurt at all. Like. Mm-hmm. To her, it's just emotionless. And so she pretends to cry because now she knows like how to prey on him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, how can you be so emotionless about and indifferent about other people at all, but still like want something? I just don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like nothing is meaningful. How can nothing be meaningful but you? like still manipulate people. Like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying, you know? And it's just like, it's almost that same idea of just people just want anarchy, you know, it doesn't matter what they, they don't really care about anything. They don't really care about anybody else. They just want to see kind of the fireworks, you know? Why? I don't know, dude. Like if you don't care why the fireworks, like I, I don't know. I've been racking my brain the entire time. Like Parker, what are your thoughts? Sorry, I was muted. It took me a second to unmute myself. Um, I was just thinking like, you know, people's brains get messed up. And uh, so his priority of what matters to him could be messed up. Um, So, you know, other people's feelings and and empathy and sympathy could be really low on his brain's priority list when they're actually usually higher on most people's because it's our natural desire to like, want to connect with other people um it's like tribe mentality the people you can connect with they become your tribe so like humans naturally want to do that so my thinking is his brain was messed up so um his priorities were jacked up so it was higher on his priority list to be in control and to have power over someone than it was for him to um connect with someone if that makes sense i guess that kind of makes sense like I don't know. It just, it's been driving me crazy because she literally doesn't care. Like she's emotionless, but like, I guess at some point, I don't know, because she does like feel some, I don't know. 
is it do you think it's well, like a power thing like but also so sorry um emma uh, she's the one getting whipped right and her dad's whipping yeah. her yeah well so she's so getting this is, whipped this is a crazy um assumption but like a lot of people have been able to put themselves into um hypnosis or even like psychedelic states just by like certain like by putting yourself so far on the edge of of something like breathing treatments or like even like really hard workouts and stuff like that and people have like psychedelic hallucinations like like they're on mushrooms and things like that even so it could yeah. just be that like because of what she's going through she's just blocking everything out like it's your mind's way to survive as far as her yeah. being on the whipping end i guess yeah and then she like she fakes the pain and she like wails and does all this puts on a performance um, and pretends like that she wants like forgiveness and that she messed up and whatever, but like she doesn't feel it. Like she doesn't actually have those feelings. Sounds um, like Columbine. Of, I know it's like a manipulation thing, but like, why? What is it about manipulation and having like the power over other people that really makes a psychopath like? work you know why do they yeah. want that if they don't really care or have the emotional capacity to necessarily care about others why care about power over others yeah i don't know it's it's quite the enigma is it a true story i don't know if you said that east of eden yeah no it's not a true story it's just kind of like symbolic it's it's really interesting because um, there's a lot of stories and parallels that you can see from like the Bible um, into oh. like this book. Like it's really interesting. If you haven't like read it or like listened to it, I guess in like my case, then it's worth a read or listen to because it's I don't know. It's just different stories told in different ways. Uh, there's like three different people because you have Kathy and how she's growing up. Um, then you also have, oh, I can't remember their name, but uh, two brothers, uh, Adam and Charles. Um, and then you have the Hamilton family as well. And it's like talking about these people and their different lives and kind of giving an example. And eventually Kathy ends up with the, uh, uh, I can't remember if it's Adam or Charles, but like one of them and she tries to like manipulate them and do stuff. I don't know. Uh, I haven't gotten that far, but like last time I listened to it, I remember that she was like one of their like persons of interest. I can't remember. She got to like being their wives, but um, it's just overall interesting. And it explores this idea. Um, oh my God. It's super interesting. I know this isn't a book like podcast. And so I'm just going to make this next point, like really really brief um like something that they mention in the book is the relationship with adam and charles which you know um it's adam starts with an a you have abel and then you have charles starts with a c cain so kind of like a story between cain and abel um to where eventually like charles tries to murder abel or murder Adam. Um, and 
his dad actually comes out like their dad comes out and actually like says that um abel or not abel adam is his like favorite child um and he's forced to go off into the military by his dad and then charles isn't allowed to go into the military he has to stay home and take care of the the farm and it's also like representative of kind of the sacrifice they they make like abel in the bible made sacrifice of like sheep and lamb um to like god like and you know adam's out there serving his country i guess and he has to kill people Mm -hmm. as like a sacrifice then you have uh his brother charles representing cain who his sacrifice and what he has to do is he has to till the earth and he has to um work the land which going to the bible the offering that cain made was of like plants like he farmed plants and then he sacrificed that and gave tried to offer that to the lord um and it just wasn't necessarily seen as like valid and he ended up getting a mark on him and adam or not adam uh charles in the book ends up getting a scar on his forehead um because there's the mark of cain after Mm -hmm. he tried like after he Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but he ends up actually getting a mark on his head while farming and everybody like points it out and they recognize that mark or that scar on his head and so it's really interesting like just the parallels between this book and the bible and uh it brings up some interesting points too like that regardless of who you are it's just natural it's just human nature um your parents have a favorite child like <laughs> it's me. they are going to say hell yeah the parents give like the most bullshit excuse they're like i love all my kids equal no that's bullshit like when you interact with people when you have coworkers like you have a favorite coworker you may like other coworkers, um, but you have a favorite coworker. And it's the same thing with like kids, just because naturally personalities don't get along. Like, you know, I get along really well with my mom mm-hmm. and we have like a really close bond. Whereas I don't know how she has, she doesn't have as close of a bond with any of my other siblings. And so the question like, it's not even a question. It's like, we just have a stronger relationship. We just get along better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the same way with like other people and their family dynamics. Like you're going to have a favorite kid. Like, I'm sorry <laughs> if you're not like the favorite child. Um, if you're not the favorite, it probably means you're the middle child. Yeah. Tatum's kinda. my only kid and he's still not the favorite. Damn. God damn. Just kidding. <laughs> That's crazy. Adam's often awesome. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's natural to not have a, like, not to care. Like, you can still love all your kids, but like, you're going to have a favorite. Like, <laughs> I yeah. care about my family as a whole, but we all have favorite people in our family. Like, even extended family. When you go to the Christmas party, it's like, yeah, cool. Aunts and uncles are there. But yo, this one cousin that I really fuck with, like, they're gonna be there. I'm so stoked to see them. It's like you you care about your extended family and you don't mm-hmm. want anything bad to happen, but you have favorites. And it's it's natural, it's completely natural. 
And I don't think it should be frowned upon. I think it should be more widely accepted. Anyways, that's enough about that. Um, let's talk about <laughs> World War II. <laughs> we know you're thinking. Wait. Am I listening to the wrong podcast? You're not. You are listening to Shadow Valley right now. We just got on on a a tangent before we started. We're on a different level. (laughs) For real. I just, I don't know. I had to throw that out there. Yeah, we were discussing that book uh, uh, before the podcast and Brendan said he wanted to ask us a question. Yeah. Uh, And so that was was the question. Yeah. I mean, it kind of digressed in me talking about the book, but like... And it's and a good favorite book. children. <laughs> yeah. And favorite kids, but that's just like a point they, they put out there and mm-hmm. it's not fair to deny it. No, I agree. I agree hundred percent. I think it's a, I think if you don't have a favorite, that's great, but I think it's very difficult to not have favorites. I mean, yeah. that's why, that's, that's why you find your significant other, whoever that might be, yeah. whatever that might be, you know, it's because you have a favorite at the end of the day, it just happens. Yeah. Just human nature. But and like, you know who did have a favorite or who had multiple favorites? Who? J. Robert Oppenheimer. Really? Yeah. Multiple partners, that guy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He was he was kind of a uh uh yeah, a stud, if you will. He had a key that opened many locks. Yeah, many locks. Many, many, many locks. So like whether they wanted key. to be opened or not. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. He he it was I as far as I know, it was all consensual interactions okay you know what they say though a key that can open many locks is valuable but a lock that opens for every key any key is worthless yeah that's it's such backwards <laughs> like in that aspect obviously in that context yeah yes that makes sense you know but and then in a different context where you relate that to like a sexual sexuality and stuff like that it's <laughs> yeah. just so backwards it's so odd you know because you see this is another tangent. Here we go again. But you see somebody, for instance, like uh, Oppenheimer that um, was clowning around quite often. He, I mean, he tended to be <laughs> almost like touted upon, you know, for being that kind of character and stuff. But then you look at somebody that is like a female character that would not, that would be the same kind of style. Yeah. And be like, oh, she's kind of like, she's a, a whore. whore or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is just so crazy. Anyway. I digress. All righty, guys. So today is a banger. Well, I don't know. You guys will tell us if it's a banger or not, but (laughs) we hope it's a banger. Um, Today, we are discussing the Manhattan Project, which interestingly, many people do believe to be a misnomer. However, it is not. It did originally begin in Manhattan and then eventually moved to Los Alamos because of Oppenheimer and his decisions, uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico. Um, but yeah, there's, there's quite a few things we want to discuss in this episode regarding the Manhattan project. And we're probably going to have two parter, possibly even a three parter for this episode. Um, because there is a lot of information we don't want to gloss over, like kind of the most more important things, but we also don't want to hit on every single detail that may not be so uh, vital to the story that we are trying to tell. Um, but yeah, let's just get started for those of you that don't know, which I would be surprised actually. And then I was going to ask, have you guys seen the, uh, Oppenheimer movie? I haven't. You have downloaded it, but didn't get a chance to watch it. Oh really? Yeah, dude. It's actually like a really, really well done movie. Um, so I actually, and 
The issue I have with it, I guess, and the reason why I haven't watched it is because I've heard a lot of people like watch it and then the opinion that, oh, um, we shouldn't have dropped the bomb. Like Mm -hmm. it's been unnecessary. Like I feel like it's just a little politicized in that way. Yeah, I think I'm uh, sure it is. It definitely is. They want to sway you to a different opinion, obviously, like any movie or anything, even us speaking yeah. on this podcast, we're trying to sway you to an opinion that we agree with. Agree with. Yeah. So I think to be able to uh, remove that from any sort of like entertainment media would be so difficult. Yeah. Um, obviously, movies like, for instance, Barbie. Mm-hmm. They wanted to sway you in a different opinion of what you believed in, right? Yeah. And regardless of what anybody says, even if people say that was not the intention, at its core, it was the intention. Yeah. Just like any other movie, any other song, any other whatever, they always have a motive to them. Um, so I think that's like interesting. There was an attempt at, it's called Marxist film theory, mm-hmm. to where they tried to be like unbiased mm-hmm. in a film and they showed like, perspectives of every single character mm-hmm. um but like it still failed in trying to be unbiased right because nothing can be unbiased everybody yeah. has bias um but yeah i think i thought the movie was really well done in the matter of like the facts if you will yeah. um of what happened in the Manhattan Project, because not only did they hit on the good things, but they also hit on the really bad things. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I did, uh, and a lot of people have mentioned this, but the uh, General Groves, he in real life is like this big fatty dude. He looks <laughs> like a freaking like. <laughs> there's this uh, there's this barbecue sauce or this this uh, barbecue like seasoning that I like to use. Yeah. It's from meat church and they have this big fat pig on it <laughs> dude i swear that guy groves looks just like that pig on the oh freaking seasoning that i have <laughs> but they used matt damon of all people to play this character mind you matt damon in my opinion is one of the greatest actors of all time but he is like nowhere near as fat as he should have been for that role or ugly dude yeah. the dude was like balding it, i don't know it's just funny the the way they cast him but Dude, Cillian Murphy as Oppenheimer, I think, did awesome. Yeah. Especially with all that weight he lost. Anyway, again, I digress. So the uh, the reason I, I brought that movie up is because uh, Nolan's like inspiration for that movie was a book called American Prometheus. And uh, it's about Oppenheimer's life. And I actually started reading that book as well. And uh, it's very interesting. So... I wanted to go over a little bit of Oppenheimer's life, but we'll probably hit on that a little bit more come the second episode. Yeah. But uh, off of the Oppenheimer movie, The Manhattan Project. Uh, So The Manhattan Project, again, as many people probably know, was the very covert operation ideally covert, it really wasn't, but ideally covert operation that the United States held to create the first atom bomb yeah and uh the the reason why this is such an important uh uh, like thing of our history is because nowhere nowhere has it been done before where so many people came together to be able to create such an like advancement in science 
in like the natural world, essentially. Like it was an insane amount of structure, people that came together to make this happen. And that in as well as creating an atomic bomb is really why this is such an important story and part of our history. So the operation itself began in 1939, and this was after people discovered nuclear fission. So, and and we might get kind of technical, come down the episode a little bit. Yeah. But I'll do my best to try to explain to you guys because even myself, I like I don't really understand it either. You know, I tried to, and, and I read through all these like different articles, dude. I was even like looking on uh, there's there's this website called Science Direct. And they give you like a bunch of peer reviewed articles and stuff. But even like looking at this website, I was like trying to understand, trying to understand it. And I didn't get it. So then I went to like one of the uh, physics professors at my university and I asked them, I was like, Hey, can you like, is there any way you could explain this to me? Like I was like 10 or something. And he's like, Oh, like it's, it's just such a high level of physics and like science just in general that it's so difficult to break down to like, like a, a uh, surface level kind of understanding, but I'll do my best to try to explain it. But just before you go, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, all, you're talking about how all these people are like coming together to like create this thing and like so much advancement happened. Um, hmm. Was it more because they were in a hurry to create the bomb so they could use it? Or were they more in a, in a hurry to create the bomb because they thought that Germany was going to be able to beat them to it. And they, it was like, like, was it more of a, we need to make this because if Germany has it, we need to have it too. So we can fight back. Or was it like a, we need to have this so we can end the war. So we can like just annihilate people. Like which end of it was, were they on? So, you know? so both, both actually. So one of the biggest reasons, and this was, this was, um, like part and why it started so fast and so quickly, everything got scaled up like crazy dude was they, they wrote a, um, some, a handful of people, I believe it was, uh, Albert Einstein wrote a letter to, to, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And, um, they essentially told him like, Hey, we know for a fact that Ger Nazi Germany is on the, like, verge of creating an atomic bomb yeah and so and it wasn't until uh, uh eisenhower sorry eisenhower um roosevelt got this letter signed by um the man himself albert einstein yeah till that he decided like okay maybe we should start taking this serious now um and so it was partly because they wanted to get ahead of it before germany did it and then the other reason was to essentially show the world what we are capable of. Yeah. Right. And we discussed mm. this a little bit. We glossed over it in the last episode near the end, but the United States at this time, you got to like, we got to keep in mind too, is that we're, we just got involved into this war because of the bombings of our ships as well as Pearl Harbor. And we're trying now to essentially do like a big FU, like you were saying to prove that you shouldn't have brought us into this or, yeah. or we're like almost like better than you. Uh, it's not to that degree, but they just wanted to prove to everybody that we could do it, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's also ahead. interesting. Like during the whole like Manhattan project, mm -hmm. 
a lot of the information we were being fed was actually kind of like incorrect. A lot of the information was telling us like, oh my God, Germany's on the verge of like getting this. We thought they were so far ahead of us that like we went into overdrive and we were like putting all of this effort into the atomic bomb and we're like, shit, 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 shit. We got to keep going. We got to keep going. When in all actuality, we were light years ahead of them. Like that's hundred we percent right. Yeah, Germany's just like effing around, and we're like, they've almost got it. <laughs> yeah, that's basically exactly what happened. Like we were just being fed information that, oh, they're so close, they're on the verge of like having it. They they've practically got there, and so we're just trying to play catch up. When in reality, we were we were the. I mean, USA, baby, like we were closest (laughs) and, you know, it was because we just got this false information. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's actually, I think it's good because we got the atom bomb first. Yeah. So, and I'm glad that you pointed that out because one important detail, and uh, I'm I'm sure you guys have heard the name um, uh, Heisenberg. Yeah. So Heisenberg, very more popularly (laughs) made because of uh um breaking, breaking bad. bad yeah yeah but heisenberg was an actual character that was on the front lines of creating the atom bomb for nazi germany during this time and a lot of people have a lot of theories regarding heisenberg heisenberg not heisenberg sorry uh regarding heisenberg because he claimed that he was very far ahead and he claimed that he could do all of these things with uranium and we'll go into the details about uranium here here in a minute um but he claimed to nazi nazi germany all of these things that he could do in such a small time frame and for very cheap but eventually it started to turn into year months instead of like or years multiple years and then it just extended and budget kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and a lot of people believe that heisenberg was sabotaging the the creation of the atomic bomb in nazi germany and so again that is just a conspiracy that is not uh uh, there's no validity to that i mean there's some validity i do subscribe to that idea but uh we can get on to that and probably the the later ends of the this series but yes, so after this uh, uh, note is sent to um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, they start to develop Los Alamos and they bring in a lot of very intelligent people and a ton of uh, employees. So it was, it was be- or said that there was about 120,000 people in total that came together to create the atom bomb. And several of those people. <laughs> were actually spies and were giving information to Nazi Germany during this time as well. So that's another another interesting detail that we want to make sure that we hit on is that Nazi Germany again like just to echo what Brennan just said was they were behind. They were very behind on the details, but it, if it wasn't because of these uh uh spies that people had within our ranks, they would be even more behind in in that regard of building the atom bomb and the biggest reason why germany was behind during this time was because they were so bent on this idea of heavy water 
And, uh, and so we'll go into the detail here in a second of heavy water, but I'm just going to continue going down this out just like a general timeline of the Manhattan project. Now it played a big role, obviously in ending the war as well. So in 1941 to 1942, the development of Los Alamos, uh, Oak Ridge, all kind of started coming together and this is when they started making they literally created like cities for these people to live in because they wanted to keep it under wraps so bad yeah Um, and then parker i think you have some stuff regarding oak ridge is that right yes that's right so um oak ridge which is in um tennessee so like they went as far as to um like they picked this kind of a basin that was surrounded by mountains so that it was harder for like anyone to see like other parts of Tennessee couldn't just like, you know, see what was going on and the rest. And like, actually, so it was originally this place for farmers because you'd have these, the water from the mountains kind of drain into this basin. So it was pretty good farmland. And the government just came in and was like, all right, you have like X amount of days to get out of here. Um, or else, and then we're taking this all over. And so, um, yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Like it was these people's land and the government said, we're using this for the war effort. Um, but anyways, eventually, um, they had, they built this town to house 75,000 people. And they went from like, like what's crazy is not only did they have to like build this bomb, but they had to build a whole city first to house the people that could work on this bomb research stuff. So they build this whole town, they build schools, you know, they churches. Yeah. Churches, hospitals, like you name it. Like they build a whole town that was not even in there. Then they start bringing people in and, um, they start building these facilities. And what the facilities were is, um, they were to process uranium 238 and, I don't know, you know, the term convert or refine or what, but they're changing this uranium 238 into uranium 235, which is, um, maybe, you know why, but it's what they had to use, um, to get the, you know, the right properties for this atomic bomb. Um, yeah, yeah. And I can go into the details here in a minute, but continue. Um, so anyways, Yeah, so they told them by December of 1942, you've got to get out of here. Um, And they said the only explanation was that the land was going to be used for the war effort. Um, They built high towers, fences, spotlights, you know, basically made this whole town like a high security prison, but like a prison to keep people out, not to keep people in as much. Um, It was like placed under guard and everything, but then was also like cut off from the whole outside of the world. Um, and so the military like produced a pamphlet to advertise and like kind of convince and coerce people to come live here and, and to help out. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, uh, they built this uranium processing plant and it was called Y. the building was called Y 12. It's actually still a nuclear mm-hmm. facility, um, today that's like still going, um, Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's still going today. And they built this huge, like, electromagnetic thing, um, (laughs) which is crazy. Like, I was watching this video on it. And they put red tape on the floor and said, like, 
don't win the, you know, the machine was running like 24 seven, basically. So they said, you have to stay behind this red tape when this is on because like people would have any sort of metal and it literally like, like magnetize them to the machine because it was so strong and they could not get off of it. So, you know, I was just thinking about like, what if you had had surgery? Like an MRI. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, what if you'd had surgery, you had like metal inside you like you just rip it right Dude, out of your body. It just gets body. ripped out. Yeah. Ooh. Which, as you far as I you have know, like a metal rod in your thigh, it you just rips your whole femur out. That'd be crazy. Could you imagine if you were like hunting with somebody and they like shot you and then like that bullet was inside of you and then you had to like do that shit? You just get yeah, ripped and then out. You, you almost get like getting shot again. again. <laughs> like you get shot once, it stays and then gets ripped out after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's crazy though, because you get shot hunting with the by the vice president at the time. <laughs> <laughs> While like puppy hunting. I mean, like, that's crazy. <laughs> Shit's crazy, bro. Like Dude, wow. I can't imagine who you're referring to right now. Who are you talking about? Uh it's it's the man himself, the god, the myth, the legend, the Dick real <laughs> the real <laughs> Reason why 9-11 happened. Oh my gosh. Allegedly. Allegedly. Dick fucking Cheney. Yeah, that's our boy. Dick Cheney. The penguin himself. Causing <laughs> issues with MRI machines since he's shot since people. Birth. Basically. <laughs> What's crazy God too is that like a lot of the people yeah. didn't even know it was an electromagnet. Like they were just mm-hmm. they were just watching all these gauges and they said if this gauge does this, you move this knob. And so they had all these women in there just watching these gauges for like eight hours a day. Um or not eight hours a day. I think that shifts is probably going like twenty four seven. Um mm-hmm. but what's funny is the scientists actually were like, Hey, I don't know if we trust these people to, you know, do this highly specialized process. And uh, so what they did to test it out was they had like eight women versus one of the scientists and they like did this shift and all of the women or some or however many women there were they all produced more in like uranium processing than the scientists did and so they're like all right fine let's just bring in the women (laughs) yeah that's awesome actually (laughs) that's so interesting um (laughs) um that kind of reminds me of uh so one interesting thing too is that uh they at one point wanted to use radium for nuclear fission yeah and uh because it is naturally a very radioactive material yeah and uh i, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the radium girls or radium woman whatever it was but um radium actually glows in the dark and they started producing a bunch of watches and stuff and other tools to make like for instance like a, a watch that would just glow in the dark. Yeah. Right. And these radium girls would paint the watches. Yeah. And then as soon as it would get dry, like the paint, they would lick it and then dip back in, paint again. Yeah. And so over time, they all got like radioactive poisoning. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, a lot, or is it, it's not radioactive poisoning. It's a, like radiation sickness. Radiation sickness. That's what yeah. I was not. I sound like a mook. Um, but yeah, they get radiation sickness and then they uh they're like some people like their in their bones inside their cheeks and stuff, like their cheekbones, yeah, would start to uh rot and like fall apart from the yeah. inside out, like a bunch of crazy stuff. And so um 
Yeah, just I don't know why that reminded me of well, those those that's women. crazy. It's really interesting. There's two things I want to talk about actually, real quick. Um, there is actually a lady who her diary, I think it is, or her journal or some writing mm-hmm. actually has to be contained in a lead case, her yeah. and her like personal yeah, belongings. That's because her. it got like radioactive. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, like, so they see. still have to keep her notebook. They keep a lot of like the tools that she used in her home because she had so much radioactivity already like in her. And so it's still kept in like a, a uh, um, I think it's like a Faraday box yeah. to keep it out. It's, it's crazy. crazy. That's insane. Like, and it's still radioactive to this day. Mm-hmm. Like it's still too dangerous like to be around because um, it's, a lot of things are radioactive. Like mm-hmm. just being in the natural environment, like there's radioactivity. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's benign to where mm-hmm. it's not going to cause like Yeah, I mean, super you won't damage. see it in the long run. Like it's going to be very, um, what's the word? Like you can just ignore it essentially. Yeah. Something, the other thing I wanted to bring up because I find this story like super entertaining mm-hmm. and interesting because like the scientist was going full blown like idiot. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> literally was so cocky. He thought like, he was invincible and it, mm-hmm. it ends up wrecking him because of it. Um, have you guys heard of the Demon Core? I don't think so. Well, the Demon Core is kind of like, uh, I think it's like a form of uranium. I don't know exactly like off the top of my head, mm-hmm. uh, but it's like super radioactive. And what they were trying to uh, study was about making it kind of go uh, like super critical or whatever it's called. Um, and this one scientist who's working on it, instead of like doing like reasonable things like other scientists of, okay, let's uh, put the like dome on top of it. Let's use a device to like hold it and to keep it from like actually falling on top of the demon core um, and causing it to go uh, like super critical. Mm-hmm. Um, dude literally was just using a flathead screwdriver to kind of keep the thing pried open what and everybody's like, bro, you can't do that. And he's just like, shut the fuck up. I know what I'm doing. Like, oh my God, I'm the best. He's using a screwdriver. And what ends up happening is the screwdriver falls out and it, the freaking demon core goes super critical causes this bright light. I actually, I think I do. Cause this was all, this was also during, uh, the Manhattan Project, because so this was plutonium that they were using. I think I do remember this actually. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, when I oh yeah, yeah, Dude. two guys died from it. Yeah, yes, he like, like yeah got burned and was like messed up mm-hmm. immediately, and it was just like it was because the radioactivity and kind of like what was going on mm-hmm. with the the core, and he literally died because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's crazy that. I mean, the only reason I bring this up is because we're talking about radioactivity. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just an entertaining about some dumb fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, seriously, dude. Knowing full well, you're. Can you imagine you're? Cons- you are considered a like top of the line scientist. Like yeah. you are considered an expert in your field, and you think it is wise to use a flathead screwdriver to handle a potentially rate like explosive massive like ball of pl- pl- uh, plutonium like, what are you dumb <laughs> you yeah know? Like, it's crazy i always think about it it's like 
let's just say some scientist was working with Ebola and they're like, oh, I'm not going to use like full hazmat. I mm-hmm. think like some rubber gloves are good enough. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. Like Ebola is not going to get me. It's like, bro, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. It's just stupidity. It's just Be ignorance. careful. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. No, that's i uh, I'm glad you brought that up too. I actually forgot about that story, but it I- is a, uh, that is an interesting one. I definitely would have been that scientist. I feel like I do stupid stuff like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Sometimes when I'm feeling lazy, I'll do stupid things. But like, if it's something that important, I don't know. I feel like definitely some more thought would have been good, obviously. Yeah. We know that now. But um, yeah. So anyway, big, large tangent. Uh, Parker, so you were telling us about... Um, the- Sorry, I think I I was on the uh, the the building Oak Ridge. Yeah. yeah. So yes, the building. Yeah, the big building. So so the first building um, was used electromagnet and a huge electromagnet to um, process the uranium. And uh, so the thing is, they only got like seven pounds. I think after like six months, they'd only gotten seven pounds, and they needed a hundred. And so. They were like, okay, this is way too slow. We need to build another plant. So they build this next plant and it's huge. It was literally the biggest building in the whole world at the time. It still might be. I'm not 100% sure. But just Mm -hmm. some stats on this. Um, The first pour of concrete alone was 200,000 cubic yards of concrete, which... Holy crap. Yeah. I I wish I knew how large that is. Like... I'm not good with well, that to, kind of to stuff. To give you so an like, example, so I do concrete for a living, living. I've done over, you know, I've done huge homes. I've done huge buildings, uh, commercial buildings, um, you know, four or 500 yard pours. And I've probably, I was kind of figuring it out and I've probably only poured five or 6,000 cubic yards in five years. Mm-hmm. Or no, not five or six, probably... 15,000 cubic yards in five years. And this was 200,000 in one pour. Yeah. So, which is insane. Yeah. That would be, yeah. I mean, one truck can only carry like 10 yards nowadays. So, yeah. I mean, the weight, you know, 10 yards of concrete is 40,000 pounds. So, 200,000 would be like eight. 80 million or something. I don't know what it would be, but it's like freaking crap ton either way. So it was the size of 35 football fields and it was four stories high. Um, Can you like convert this into like American for me? How many bald eagles is that? (laughs) There it is. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) A lot of bald eagles. Um, How about walruses? You're saying saying convert it to like American, but the yard is standard. It is American. Yeah. It's like, but so we'll use if like, you said like metric or, or, or if it was like, oh, cubic meters, then yeah, it's, we can convert it, but you're already talking American right now. <laughs> well, yeah. like, yeah, but I don't know how it is. But if you tell me it's X amount of bald eagles, I can be like, oh, yeah, or X amount of walruses. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I know what that is versus like trying to tell me how many freaking. So to give you an idea. Yards, to give you an idea, a uh, cubic yard will cover 100 square feet, which is about 10 by 10. Okay, so okay. then scale that up. One, one cubic yard is equal to 10 by 10 foot. Really? 
Yeah. So then scale that up 200,000. There's yeah. an insane, insane amount of concrete. That is, that, that's like, that is pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, well, that, I mean, it was, that's like a shit ton. It was the size of 35 football fields. That's pretty American. <laughs> yeah. 35 football know, fields. So that'd be 3,500 yards, you know, just in square, you know, square footage. But it was also four stories high. So it was like 35 football fields, but then you'd be stacking them four times. So, yeah, this thing was yeah, huge. Yeah, that's insane, dude. Um, it's just sorry. like... And then, actually, I said um, 10 by 10. It's three three by three because the... Yeah, three feet is equal to about... I wondered where you yard. got that from. Yeah, so it'd be but three was, by three. I was like, well, yeah, sorry, I sorry, I, question I, it. I He's probably right. misspoke. <laughs> No, 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 no. You should have, you should have been like, oh, you're an idiot, Gabe. Oh my gosh. But no, it is three, three by three because yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. It'd be three, three tall, three feet wide, and then three feet of depth to make it a cube basically. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. I wonder how, cause the thing is like the reason why they put those cracks in concrete and stuff or those like divots is so when it does expand heat and contract. Yeah. It doesn't crack like crazy, you know? Yeah. And so a big block like that, I wonder what kind of material, I wonder how much like rebar and shiz they have to, or tolerance they had to give to it to be able to contract and, and, uh, and expand without it just completely exploding. <laughs> yeah. It would have been, uh, I, I, the saw cut bill on that alone probably would have been hundreds of thousands <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> oh man um, um that's crazy man anyway so so keep going so this Sorry, was keep, a, keep getting this, you off track the this was a gas a gaseous diffusion process so the other one was using an electromagnet this was like using gas powered like things big machines i'm not mm-hmm. they i'm not sure exactly how it worked but like it was super inefficient um they had to do it over and over and over and over like they started with one piece of you know, this uranium and they just had to go right, you know, thousands of times through this process, through each machine basically. And, uh, to get it to where they wanted it, um, to get their hundred mm-hmm. pounds. But, um, Oh, the amount of water used in the diffusion process would have been enough to serve a city of 5 million people. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really going to drain all the resources. <laughs> Yeah. That's um, crazy. But the the coolest thing that I found that like really I it like interested me enough to to uh really do the math on it. So mm-hmm. for that electromagnet, so I'm going backwards a little bit, but so for this electromagnet, um they needed a whole bunch of copper wiring. But the problem mm-hmm. is all the copper was being used at the time um in the war, like to build, you know, bullets and shells and you know bullet casings and all that stuff so they decided right. to use silver instead and they're like so they're like in this meeting they're like okay well let's use silver then copper's all being used and they're like okay cool wait where do we get this hold silver up, hold up. and they're like something mm-hmm. that's really interesting right now is you know people are stealing a lot of like copper right yeah people do that it's a fucking lot. crackheads are like stealing copper mm-hmm. out of like the most random shit because they need to like sell it illegally so they could buy more freaking drugs. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of jokes on Facebook about this too, um, (laughs) where people will be like, 
you know there's actually uh, six pounds of, uh, this is an exaggeration, I don't know how much there's, there's like six pounds of copper in um, <laughs> government of uh, uh, like speed traffic cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so you know, do with that information <laughs> so you as you please. <laughs> Were they like subtly like try and inform people about mm-hmm. freaking government shit that mm-hmm. has copper? So, I mean, if I had a speed, if we had speed cameras here in Utah, mm-hmm. um, I would definitely want all their copper to be <laughs> removed <laughs> so then they don't get me. But like, I don't know. It's, it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's t- interesting. Tons of people will get their muffler stolen because there's quite a bit of copper in your muffler. And so they'll take, uh, sorry, not muffler, um, catalytic converters. Catalytic. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, a lot of, when I worked at a dealership, they, they, we'd always cut them out and the dealership even would take them and turn them in to get money for the copper. But really? Wow. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so really expensive dude. So they need all this silver and they're like sitting around a meeting that, all right, we'll use silver instead of copper. Where should we get the silver mm-hmm. though? And they're all kind of scratching their head and they're like, oh, from the U.S. Treasury, I guess. So they literally took <laughs> oh silver, <laughs> like bricks, like bars of silver and melted them down. It was 14,000 um, pounds shit. of silver, which yeah, I wrote pounds. I think it was 14,000 tons. I think I, I could be wrong. I think I wrote that down wrong. But anyways, I figured it out. Uh-huh. And it would be $10.2 billion worth of silver um, back then, I'm pretty sure. Ooh, did you put that into a uh, uh, inflation um, inflation calculator? Well, so now I'm, I can't remember. It was, I did this a couple of days ago. So I think it was, four, I wrote mm-hmm. down 14,000 pounds. And no, the 10.2 was today's, not today's actually worth, but I think it was 14,000 okay. tons. <laughs> so... That would be dang. That's insane. Anyway, so fourteen thousand. Yeah, you just multiply by is way more. A hundred. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. Holy crap! <laughs> lots, lots of uh, money. That's why we can't retire. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> the point oh is, they, I just can't believe they took like pure silver bricks and they're like, I guess we'll melt them down mm-hmm. into freaking wiring that's like pretty much worthless by the time. <laughs> but it was like miles and miles and miles of wiring to build that electromagnet mm-hmm. but what's funny is they went through all that work to build it and then it didn't even work as well as the the gas plant but anyways oh really yeah that's a that's crazy man i think uh d- that's interesting as well because they like they did all that to route all the wiring they also made a essentially like a ton of train tracks to transport from Los Alamos to all these different cities and then to go to like Washington to go to um, Manhattan too so they could keep it all like covert like again this just shows how desperate we were during this time to be able to get to the point we wanted to be and how many people had to be had to like be part of this whole structure to make it happen it's just insane it's absolutely ludicrous the amount of resources we use, the amount of people, the amount of money we use, mm-hmm. it's insane. Along with that, like a lot of people in this town, like they were just told about their one little tiny piece of the puzzle and how to do that piece perfectly, mm-hmm. but they weren't they were like told not to talk about anything, you know, 
even in their houses and stuff like that. So like no one could figure out what they were actually doing. So you had these people showing up, they had no idea they were, you know, processing uranium. They were just told, you know, do this, make sure you're careful. Don't talk about what you're doing, you know, outside of work and and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, the idea being like, we're going to make this machine that's as efficient as possible, full of a whole bunch of like worker bees who have no idea what's going on which they yeah. seem to be applying to the rest of society again today, but, <laughs> but I won't go on that tangent, but <laughs> yeah, dude, it's crazy. It almost, it, it reminds me of a, a old, old guy that his name was H.H. H. Holmes that employed the same exact tactics when he built his murder castle. You're right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> um, the same thing. Yeah, for real. So yeah. And then, is there anything else that you wanted to go over? regarding Oak Ridge? No, I just, that was like, it just interested me a lot because, um, I had no idea it even existed even after like, Mm -hmm. you know, history class and everything, no one ever even mentioned it. So I kind of decided to do a pretty deep dive on it because I thought it was interesting. I had no idea it was a thing. So till the other day, so no, that's pretty much, that's pretty much everything I had on that. So That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. That is actually really interesting. So Parker, did you say that was in Tennessee? Yeah. Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Yep. Oh, okay. That's, that's really interesting because you're the only 10 I see. Uh (laughs) Except for you can't even see me. We have our, (laughs) we have our uh, cameras turned off. (laughs) (laughs) Facts though. Thank you for the uh, uh, nice compliments to Parker. Well done, uh, Brennan. But um, so, alrighty. Now, after the development of all these cities and kind of like the expansion of the Manhattan Project, uh, 1943, obviously, again, Oppenheimer is then appointed to be the director of the Los Alamos uh, labs and kind of the study. And then Groves, general Groves is the, the guy that's been put over to watch over the whole project, essentially. Then 1944 to 1945. And keep in mind, we are nearing the end of the war already. 1944 to 1945, uh, Hitler was already, he died during this time. And there were a lot of the, uh, Axis powers that were already starting to pull back right? (laughs) So we are testing a bomb starting in 1944, which is nicknamed Trinity. Um, And then later down the line, as we all know, it was uh, the the little boy was dropped. And uh, then in 1946, pretty much right after the uh, bomb was dropped, Harry Truman comes out onto the the, uh, uh, big screen and says, hey, yo, that was us. See what we can do. What is essentially um, fuck again, around and find out? Seriously, and and again, it was like the whole idea behind this this whole kind of uh, project was to keep it under wraps. But again, everybody knew it was no surprise. It was no surprise that we were the ones that dropped it. Um, I think the surprise really was like that we were able to get there first because everybody was trying to get to an uh, an atom bomb. Everybody, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean that's that that is the general timeline of the Manhattan Project, and really what we wanted to hit on today um, regarding the Manhattan Project. But I did want to go over some of the more 
important details regarding like the uranium and the use of uranium and kind of all these interesting things that came to fruition and helped provide scientists the tools that they needed to create an atom bomb. So, and we've been referencing this thing quite often throughout the episode, uranium. Um, and uranium is m- the main like tool that was used to create this reaction, you know? Uh, so uranium and right now, the way that like a, a reactor works or something like that is that we're harnessing the energy that is being put off when an atom is being split. And the way that an atom is split is they're shooting like a bunch of little uh, neutrons to this atom and they're exciting it to a point of fission is what they call it. And when it gets to this point of fission, it's like as if you were, I don't know, like if you were trying to piss off this one individual or sibling even, and you know how to poke their buttons, you know, eventually they're just going to explode. And energy, regardless of what, what it or sorry, heat will always dissipate to energy. And that's what they're doing, right? With a nuclear reactor or any sort of like uh, uh, nuclear process to get energy is that they're creating these splitting of atoms and they're harnessing all these little tiny little splits to give our houses power or stuff like that. And so the idea behind the uranium was that the uranium would be a like a moder- moderator to allow this process to happen a little bit slower but a lot more aggressive. Yeah. And that's what creates this big explosion. And that's uranium 235. It's enriched. And and uh this like the idea behind all of this and this is why they created Oak Ridge. This is why the Alamos was a big deal is to understand why it happened and to try to implement it into a process that would create a bomb for us. And so, and it wasn't until, um, sorry, I'm kind of, and now I'm going to kind of backtrack just a teeny bit, but, um, it wasn't until 1935 that an Italian physicist Enrico Fermi actually was the one that figured out that the um, splitting of uranium would actually be able to you'd be able to harness that energy that uh, uh, came out of these things, and so that was when they he, so he spoke to Albert Einstein, and then they both came to the conclusion that it was going to be something possible. Yeah, and then that's when they sent their letter to Franklin uh, Roosevelt, and that's when all the fear kind of started, you know, because they had an operation, and this is a really interesting thing about World War II and kind of, again, the people that came together to do all this stuff. Yeah. So there was a guy named Mo Berg. You guys ever heard of Mo Berg? I no. haven't. Yeah. So, so Mo Berg was actually a baseball player here in the U.S. Um, and Mo Berg was instrumental in giving us information regarding uh, Nazi Germany's um, efforts regarding the atom bomb yeah so he participated in a mission called also's mission and really the whole idea behind that was to just really understand where nazi germany sat and what kind of things that they were trying to do um and he just provided a lot like intelligence essentially for the allies to better understand 
what their capabilities were. And uh, it's just super cool because somebody is just like a baseball player, you know? Yeah. How many people came together to do this? It's just crazy. Um, but yeah, so this is where they were able to figure out that you were actually getting, uh, or they were on this track of of uh, uh, heavy water. Yeah. And heavy water, the reason why Nazi Germany believed that heavy water was going to be the key is that it also was a kind of like a moderator, right? For this nuclear fission to happen. And so you don't want it to happen too fast because then you can't get the explosion that you're looking for, but you don't want to have, you don't want it to happen too slow. Otherwise it's not going to be a big explosion. Yeah. And they thought heavy water was going to be the tool to be able to do that. Mind you, heavy water is actually still used today in nuclear reactors because it can be, uh, um, utilized in a diff or in a more efficient way nowadays because of obviously technology just advanced but back then it was not going to do it it was just not going to work and uh so they uh uh were super bent on this heisenberg was bent on it and obviously our scientists here found out the uranium enriched uranium uh would do the trick for us and so and this is again i i've been kind of like referencing the um the heavy water often here but there is a an interesting story or an interesting mission that happened was uh, operation gunner gunnership gunnerman and uh during this time they found out that norway had like the biggest deposits of heavy water and the Allies wanted to make sure that the German, Nazi Germany didn't get their hands on it. And so what they did was go to them and say, hey, we're going to offer you X amount of money. We'll take it off your hands. And they were like, hell no. Take it for free. Just get it out of my freaking country. And so what the Allies did, they set up these really interesting uh, operations where they went to get the heavy water and retrieve it. And um, they almost like they they allowed uh, Nazi Germany to know their plan, but they did it purposefully because they, they gave like alluded to other things that weren't actually what's going to happen. So eventually these two guys and, and I'll kind of gloss over the story. It's very interesting, but you should look it up if you can, uh, have some time to research it. But, uh, what they do is they put the, uh, the heavy water into these suitcases. And then when they go to get on the plane, they had an individual go up to the plane and start like, freaking out and saying, Hey, I need to get back. I need to get on the plane. I need to get on the plane during this time though. The, uh, two operate or the two agents that were transporting all of it, moved their luggage and put a bunch of gravel in it, move the heavy water off the plane and then transport it out. And so when this plane that was supposed to, supposed to be carrying the heavy water was up in the air, they actually, uh, Nazi Germany, they came up with fighter pilot pilots, brought the plane down, searched it, didn't find shit. It's oh, crazy, cool. dude. And then they, that's how they were able to transport it out of Norway. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. That's awesome. Crazy, man. That's freaking crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. Again, like I know it sounds like a broken record, but like all of this, all of these people came together to make this happen, which is just nuts to me. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, I guess it's just like a testament to what human beings are really capable of, which is awesome. Um, but yeah. That's a, that's kind of the gist of how the bomb works and why, uh, Germany was so far behind us in, yeah. uh, developing this, 
this huge duel, like a, a war, war ender on top of uh, all their like research into like meth and all that shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, we'll go into that in our last episode of the series regarding all that. It, it, all the interesting things that the Nazis were er, studying for Hitler and I don't know. He, all that stuff was just so weird. Yeah. So crazy, dude. He was a very, very off the rocker guy, obviously, yeah. as we know. Um, but yeah, on our next episode, we're going to go a little more in depth into what happened during the Manhattan Project and uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role. He actually was uh, um, near the or after all this went down, he was actually prosecuted because he was associated with the um, with uh, well, uh, communism. Mm. So, yeah, they did this. Uh, this big run trial of Oppenheimer to see where his uh, alliance sat during the war, pretty much. Just crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I have a question for both of you guys. Um, so Here. what is more unstable? Uh, Hitler, the atom bomb, or my sister's crazy-ass bitch of a mother-in-law? <laughs> uh, I cannot speak to the last one because I don't know who she is. Um, but probably Hitler. Yeah, because he he definitely killed more than the atom bomb. Hopefully, more than Fair your enough. sister's oh, yeah. mother-in-law. Is your mother-in-law? Yeah, has your sister's mother-in-law murdered anybody? Dude, her emotions are like a roller coaster. She can go from like pissed to like crying over her organ. Her organ? Yeah, she's just oh like, oh like the piano like yeah. the organ. Oh wow, hmm. yeah, interesting. She'd be a good she's songwriter. <laughs> no, she wouldn't, dude. She's ugly as fuck. <laughs> Damn. Like, and that doesn't have anything to do with the songwriter, but like her, her talents on the organ aren't really that good. Like the only reason I bring her up is because I had a crazy ass experience with her at my sister's wedding that uh -huh. I told you guys about. Yeah. And like, to be honest, like she didn't do that good of a job playing the organ. Like, um, I don't know. Like if she was playing at my wedding, um, I would be so fucking pissed. I would be like, wow, this dumb bitch. She really thought that she was going to play the organ and like just fuck the whole thing up. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Luckily, it wasn't my wedding. Mm -hmm. I was just taking the, uh, the photos there. But heaven forbid this bitch <laughs> let me do that. Uh, yeah, no. Like, she's a cunt. Like, to be honest. She's a crazy ass cunt and she just freaking like she's unstable. She really is. And she thinks she's all that. She thinks she's like super smart too. Mm -hmm. And that she knows a lot better because she's a science teacher. Mm -hmm. And you know how science teachers already have like a kind of inflated ego. Yeah. But I swear to you not that this bitch does not even have a degree in science. Her degree is in family and consumer. Um, just facts, family and consumer sciences. Like it's the social aspect. Why does she bring up science though? That seems so weird. Yeah. Why is she like a science teacher? Oh, she's a science teacher. Yeah. Oh. She's a science teacher, but she has her degree, not in like science, but family and consumer. Well, I guess you can call it like a science, but it's more of a social science hmm. than like a factual science. And so like, she doesn't know all of that. You know what I mean? She's not like all that in a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. 
So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where she gets off, but you know, out of the three things, I think she's more unstable. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one thing that I, I wanted to mention that I forgot about, but interestingly, and I don't know, this was just an interesting fact that I came across when researching all this stuff, um, was that the British like air force, they, you, have you guys heard that myth that, or not myth, but that idea that carrots help your eyes? Oh yeah. yeah. Parker, have you heard that? Yeah. That's actually, well, I'm sure there is some validity to it, but that was wartime propaganda. Really? Yeah. Did you guys know that? No. no. Yeah. So um, back in the day, the British Air Force had developed radar, right? And radar being such a important, such an important tool to like anything regarding wartime or planes or anything like that they wanted to keep it super under wraps so they didn't want anybody to know about it obviously the allied powers did but they don't want the access powers to know and so there started to fly around this rumor or this uh, this this idea that the british soldiers had amazing eyesight because they were able to find everything and anything that was in the air or on the ground. Damn. And so the British army started spreading this propaganda that carrots were the reason why these soldiers were able to see so good was because the carrots were helping their eyes during the night. And that's why their night vision was so good. And so the idea stemmed from that is that carrots are so good for us and for our eyes is because of wartime propaganda. In all reality, they were just trying to start this rumor so people wouldn't know about their radar. Isn't that nuts? That's God, so damn, that's awesome. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Freak. I didn't, dude, I didn't know about that. And then, um, I, uh, I was, again, it was just like during my research, I was just looking interesting facts and stuff just cause that stuff's fun to look at. But, and, uh, I came across that and I was like, what the hell? That's nuts. Cause I've always believed that dude. I love carrots. No, he's been like, oh yeah, dude, I'm gonna eat carrots. I don't want to have classes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess that'll be the final final note to end on uh, regarding just our first part in a two part series. I believe it will be. Well, hold up, just one more thing. You brought up propaganda, mm-hmm. and there's one piece of propaganda I find really interesting. Um, so the Nazis like demonized Jews, right? Mm-hmm. And they they came up with this stereotypical Jew. Like if you look up. Uh, like Nazi Jewish propaganda, like you'll see this greedy ass Jew mm-hmm. over the planet and like trying to make him look terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, something else that they did, because one of the stereotypical things about the Jew is that they had a hooked nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like they would do to kind of like, and they taught this on how to draw like a Jew is, and I kid you not, try this and you'll get a hooked nose Jew. Um, or a stereotypical Jew. Obviously, Jews aren't bad. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, but draw the number six and put eyes on it. Hmm. And you'll have that hooked nose Jewish figure. And they would tell you, like, that's what like it looks in like. Nazi Germany, they would spread that to like students, yeah. people, anybody like that. Yeah. Oh wow. That's like, crazy. No joke. Like write another number six and then put eyes on top of it. That's really interesting. I, uh, I mean, obviously they would definitely probably, they, I'm sure the reason why they did that is so they could continue to spread the idea that like Germ- or, uh, Jewish people were bad, you yeah. know? And so, cause they, again, like it's 
natural or a very common association with the number six is the devil. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that was the intention behind all of that, but yeah, that's interesting, man. I, uh, and Nazi Germany is wild and the atom bomb is wild too. The physics and science of everything that goes behind it is so insane. And, uh, again, like I probably butchered the description of how this actually goes down or missed some vital details, but I'm not a physicist, neither are Brennan or Parker. So we're just trying to break it down as best we can. Um, but yeah, that's it for me, boys. Here, check this out. I just pulled it up. Fig one, mm-hmm. number six, mm-hmm. straight up. That's like the stereotypical, like greedy ass dude knows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for me. What about uh, anything else on your end, Parker or Brennan? Brennan? Yeah, I think we no, not really. covered everything we wanted to get through on this episode. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, just a reminder, as always, we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram. We even got a, uh, an X. Uh, I hate that. Anytime <laughs> you try to look up like Twitter or anything now, you, yeah. have to, you type in X, but what do you type? X app? X, formerly known as Twitter. How oh, the heck, yeah. you know, their SEO is just not set up to pull up Twitter when you type in X. Yeah. That is like really stupid. Just make sure like when you're looking for X, not to look up <laughs> XXX. Yeah, that's probably good advice. <laughs> Thanks for that advice, Brennan. <laughs> oh, yeah. that Always here once or twice. Ooh, also visit our... Oh, no, really? <laughs> Dang, I intentionally make that mistake. Oof. Damn. Um... Also, another reminder, we do have a website, uh, shadow.valleypod.com. And please send us an email too at shadow.valleypod at the dogenetwork.com. Yeah, and and that's basically it for us. Everybody have a great... Oh, wait. (laughs) You've got Brennan. Yeah, you got Brennan. Uh You've got Parker. (laughs) You've got Gabe. (laughs) thanks again and everybody have a great rest of your day Thank you.